Welcome to Masters of Growth, an insightful podcast with some of India's most interesting minds in the ideologies. Here, they will share their experiences on their road to glory along with any speed bumps that they may have encountered on the way. Today with us we have Dinesh Vazirani, the co-founder and chief executive officer of Safranart. Dinesh completed his bachelor's degree in fine art and his master's in industrial engineering both at Stanford University. In 1994 he received an MBA degree with honors from the Harvard Business School and returned to India to participate in his family business WMI Cranes and WMI Power. He was instrumental in growing these businesses and leading M&A efforts with WMI's German partners. Dinesh has held several leadership positions in the Young Presidents Organization YPO where he has led award-winning positions and serves on the board of several companies in India. He has been collecting and promoting Indian art for the last 20 years and is a frequent speaker and leading industry expert. It's a pleasure to have you Mr. Vazirani. So what inspired you to tell us where your story began? <clears throat> well my story began with art as I remember when I was a child. You know I loved I loved painting and I loved drawing. Um in fact, you know, we had the ICSE at that time. Yeah. And there was a sixth subject we could choose. and uh, in my year it was the first time art was a sixth subject you could choose okay <clears throat> so i chose it very well and of course uh, but you know that my my journey has always been that art has been a passion of mine you know it's something that has always you know delighted me in many ways um when i when i left india to go to college um i went to stanford university to do my undergraduate <clears throat> and i went to do electrical engineering okay I was so bored with it. So <laughs> bored. Fair enough, yeah. You know, and, um, uh, I took this one art class. It was a history of Greek art, actually. And the professor that I had, this, you know, full of life, lady with like this great personality. And I said, look, uh, Judy Maxman was her name. So I said, Judy, look, I really like art. <clears throat> Can I major in art at Stanford? She said, yeah, art. You know, there's a there's a very good program, both both uh, practicals and history of art that you can look at. So I called my dad up. in india and i said that you know i really want to major in art is absolutely not come back there's no <laughs> way i'm sending you to stanford because that's how indian dads are that's in india yeah um but then jody maxman suggested to me you could do something called a co-terminal program that means you could do your bachelor's in fine art and yeah. you could do your master's in engineering so it's a five year program <clears throat> so i did that to appease myself and to appease my dad okay and then um when i graduated um i had an option of going into advertising illustration Uh, in San Francisco or working for this industrial company in Ohio. Okay. And um uh I chose Ohio for two reasons. One my father insisted because it we had the industrial company here. Okay. And I yeah. wanted to get the experience and come back. Uh but also because the industrial company took my masters and paid me a salary for my masters and okay. they wanted some bachelor's so I chose it. I went to this small town in Ohio. Uh I was there for two years uh and you know all my free time when I went to any city in, in the US was to go to museums. I really okay. enjoyed it. Um then I did my uh, MBA at Harvard for 2 years and I came back and joined my father uh, in the industrial business. Um for 6 years I worked with him but all my spare time was again visiting galleries in India. So you were like really fond about it yeah. Uh, I was very passionate about it and um and in fact you know I mean for anyone if you really want to be successful in anything you have to be passionate about it. You know I when you bring really something that's contrary to to what you believe in you I mean you never really can do it justice like yeah. you know, a lot of lot of 
young kids uh, joining their father's business. Yeah, uh, we used to manufacture cranes. You know, okay, yeah. we had factories yeah. made, that made cranes. Uh, it was interesting. It was fun because my industrial engineering, you know, skills helped. But you know, I I wasn't like excited to wake up and go to work. I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah, so. yeah. So that made a big difference. And then in the year two thousand, my wife and I um, thought of this idea to start this lifestyle portal. So we had <clears throat> lots of websites on art, interiors, etc., etc. But art was our main focus. So I took a sabbatical from my dad's business and uh, give me one year to just develop this. One year became ten. Uh, <laughs> so finally we sold the industrial business and Safranard was born. And we've been kind of experimenting and changing things with Safranard uh, ever since. So, you know, I mean, to answer that question in one word, uh, I mean, success or anything else comes from passion. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And what motivates you on a daily basis? Like, what makes your story not end? Because you know, my story changes every day. You know, every painting is unique. Yeah. Okay. Art it's, is very subjective. It's not that I'm making yeah. making a product like say a mobile phone, which is pretty much the same uh, in manufacturing. Here, every time you look at a painting, it's a different painting. There's history behind it. There's something called provenance, and provenance means chain of ownership. Yeah. Okay. Like who owned it before it came to me? Before yeah. that. Before that. Before that. Um, but you know, I think what makes it exciting, what motivates me every day, is that every day is new and different. You know, of course there are always going to be problems, of but you have to look at problems as challenges and not as something that's painful. Yeah. And um, and the difference and the challenges kind of makes it exciting. And also, um, the story never ends because what we sell is we sell beautiful things. Right. Okay. So it might be art one day, tomorrow it might be jewelry, day after it might be furniture, day after that it might be watches. So the story keeps changing because the product is so large and so you know it's so much wealth in India, wealth of culture. I mean, not only financial. That if you go down and just explore five thousand years of India's culture, that yeah. is a never-ending story. I mean, but I'm sure, like, first of all, art is very subjective. So yeah. is there like a typical type of client that you're trying to? Actually, you know, um, we sell paintings starting from 5,000 rupees up to 40 crores. Yeah, so, right. you know, uh, and we have two websites, one, uh, two platforms, sorry. One is called Safranath, the other one's called Story Limited. So Story Limited caters to a much wider audience, a younger audience, will want to start collecting. And then Safranath caters to uh, an, an audience which has, uh, which has, you know, a, a more mature taste where they're looking for right. specific... Um, you know, high quality, significant work. So we sell across the board, and that's what makes it exciting. And, you know, it's it's great fun. You know, on on one day to meet someone young like you yeah. <laughs> and talk about art, and then you meet someone who's a very seasoned collector, an older person. So I think I think that you know, just the just the diversity of the product right. and the diversity of the client base and the diversity of the culture that we have makes it exciting. I'm sure it does. And, you know, especially with COVID-19, you see the world transitioning into yeah. more of like an online lifestyle. What are your thoughts on that with regard to art? So, you know, we, we have always been an online player. That's it's been true. 21 yeah. years of being an online player. Uh, we started doing live auctions sometime in 2013. Uh, but before that, everything we did was online. Right. So, you know, I, I think the experience of these 20 years positioned us really well in this pandemic because uh, our focus... Uh, right before the lockdown happened in March last year, you know, we got, we got our team together and we said, look, we really have to focus on um, 
how do we engage people in this pandemic? Right. You know, how how do we make sure that the online model is friendly? It reaches people. There's a lot of information. Uh, how do we keep engaging people? Because the hesitation to transact high value on Saffron Art was was never there. So that, that was the, something we faced a long time ago right. when we started. So, um, and I think and I think preparing ourselves for the pandemic, um, making sure that we work way in advance. That means if you bring auctions, we plan before the lockdown auctions for. Uh, April, May, and June—three months. All the photography was done. All the paintings were in remote locations, so you could access them and ship them. Right. So I think uh, in the pandemic, uh, yes, the, the 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 familiarity and the ease of the, of the digital platform is has become much greater. But more so, I think I think people because the pandemic have had time to think, you know, uh, about how to position things, uh, which way to move, and also prepare themselves for it. So. For the art world, personally, I think the pandemic and the lockdowns have have really engaged people in help because three things have happened. One is people have started looking inward. The home has become very important. You're always at home. Right. You know, work from home, everything, everything. So you know you can't have empty walls. Um, secondly, people did not spend this massive money on travel, international travel, weddings, right. parties, and they had this disposable income. Um, thirdly, they realized that. You know the the online me- mechanism gives them so much access that the choices that they have because of the ease of the medium is is just immense. Yeah, but don't you feel that at the same time it doesn't give the art its true essence and its justification? Well, you know, the, you can't you can't um, completely take away the so-called physicality of art. Yeah. Like you walk into a gallery, you see the paintings. Uh, yes, of course, you can have virtual galleries on on the net, and you can have walkthroughs, digital walkthroughs. You can have uh, you know virtual reality. You can do lots of things. But yeah, I mean, there's 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 no substitute for the experience that you're missing. In fact, if you look back at the last pandemic um, in the in the, the early 1900s, right after the pandemic got over, we had a phase called the Roaring Twenties. Yes, we the did. world went a little yeah. ballistic. I mean, and that's because people were just missing experiences. I mean, just imagine when, uh, just going to a simple thing, going to a restaurant, meeting friends, you know, so once this freedom as this COVID is done, now I'm not sure it's going to be done, it's going to be mutating all the time, but once people get that freedom, that, you know, that those experiences will come back. So, I mean, they're usually the, the online platform transactionally, but right. it can't completely, uh, you know, supplement uh, yeah, physical think, Yeah, of course. And you recently sold a painting and I believe that was online as well. Uh, that was now, so the online model has changed. So, uh, in a live auction, what you have is you have an auctioneer. Okay. So, I'm the auctioneer, and uh, the room is full of people, and I take bids from the people in the room, on the phone, uh, online, so there are bids coming from everywhere. Okay. Now, the hybrid model that, that we've developed is that there's still an auctioneer, it's, it's broadcast by video worldwide, okay. and you can bid along with the auctioneer on your mobile. So you still have the experience of seeing the auction, yeah? Oh, okay. Like you're in the room, but not really. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's quite innovative. We didn't yeah, think about so, that. Yeah, so the, the mobile is, is an instrument of convergence. Okay. So yeah. if you can converge voice, data, video, everything on your mobile phone and recreate that live auction experience, like you're actually bidding with yeah. the auction, yeah? Of course, the next step we're developing is uh, replicating gaming. So right. like, you know... The auction would be like a video game. You walk in, you yeah. know, as people log in, 
you'll have different avatars yeah. and then you have an auctioneer so it becomes more interactive you're trying to replicate an experience in the physical world online so, and I think you've done a pretty good job considering well, yeah. that painting was the world's record for the yeah and, you know it was a very special painting for one guy Tunde is a master artist and he's probably India's best um, but more importantly I just think that today people understand the value of art Right. Why should an Indian painting, the most expensive Indian painting, which is this guy Tunde, sell for 40 crores, which is about five and a half million dollars? Yeah. And the most expensive painting in the world, which is the Da Vinci, which sold, sells for 450 million dollars. Yeah. So why is that big gap there? That is true. The, the most expensive Chinese painting is 75 million dollars. And we're still at 5 million. So I think, I think people are understanding the value of great works. And what is happening is that as more and more museums come up, private and public, uh, the supply of works diminishes because museum, um, you know, take away all the supply of great paintings, like what happened in the West. Yeah. And what's remaining is very little. So, say, 10, even, even as, as little as 10, 15 years from now, to get one guy to one day would be difficult. That's true. No, but, um, you know, you're talking about um, West, Recently, West Bengal also, I think they have a 1% duty tax on art. Yeah. But yeah. New Delhi and other parts of India don't. What are your thoughts on that? See, India's, India's tax regime is very unfriendly towards art. That means in, in most countries, they have incentives for people to purchase culture and to purchase art. Like China gave a five-year tax holiday. Yeah. Um, uh, within states, Bengal has been the seat of art and culture. So they've reduced the GS, the earlier the tax to 1%. Everywhere else it was, it's normalized now. Right. Now it's, now with GST, it's, it's more normal. But more importantly, in the West, if you, like say in the US, if you have a great painting, and I grant, and I give the painting to a museum, yeah. and the painting is worth, say, $5 million, okay. you know, I get tax write-offs for that. Yeah, you do. There's an incentive there to put culture into public spaces. Exactly. And yeah. in India, we don't have those... Advanced, I mean, our, our policies are quite regressive towards. So, do you think because culture. of our policies, there's such a big gap between Indian art and like other art all over the world? I think so. I mean, I think if you incentivize people to build museums, to donate to museums, and create a culture of giving uh, where culture can be shared, uh, it's a very different perspective. Right. And with this art being the most expensive art in history of India, you're clearly taking saffron art to new levels. How are you doing that exactly? Well, we hope we hope, we hope so. We in, in in our mind, we're just beginning. Okay. So you know, I think every milestone that you hit should be a stepping stone to the next one. So you know, if you say you know, if you're going to be satisfied being in this position, that you can never really grow. Uh, I mean, our 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 goal is to make uh, Saffron Art a world player, not only an India player. So you know, every time you hit a milestone, you think the next one, and so, I think that keeps you going. That yeah. never-ending story. So depending like on your answer about your attitude, would you clearly have a growth mindset? Oh, completely. I don't. I don't think you can. Um, you can be successful as an entrepreneur or with anything you do if you're complacent. You know, right. if your mindset is fixed and you say, you know, I'm happy to get to this point and that's it, then uh, I don't think you can grow something that's that's an institution. Right. But you have to have a growth mindset as an entrepreneur to be successful. And talking about entrepreneurs, what advice do you have for the people of my generation becoming to be successful entrepreneurs? So I'm, I'm going to use a few P words. Okay? Go for it. Passion. Okay. Okay. Um, productivity. Okay. Okay. You have to be productive in what you do. Planning. Okay. Okay. Perceptive. 
understand what's happening around you. People, right. you know, take people along with you, with your vision and everything else you do. And I think if you cover those things, you're pretty much done. Yeah, but being a man of art, is there any reason why you said P-words? Mm, really. just, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to think about that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Yeah. Lezard.